0: Well, I, uh, I, get to, I get to talk to you today, I've called it No Fear Needed, and it's an interesting message. This is not a message I would choose. You know, last weekend with our core values marching into a new year, that's the kind of message I like to preach because it's, it's inspiring to me personally and, and it's, it's future-oriented and who do we want to be in our future and God can help us. This message today, if you read Mark 13, basically says we're all going to get beat up and die and, and the world is over. But we get to go to heaven. I'm exaggerating a little bit. But this message in Mark 13 is very serious. And it's not like you would choose this. But we're going through the book of Mark verse by verse. And so today I have, really it is a privilege to talk to you about end times. And to talk to you about the challenge. Now I grew up in a home, just so you understand this a little bit, that absolutely talked about the rapture of the church. The passage that the Lord shall descend, the dead in Christ will rise first. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And the rapture was gonna happen tonight. And nobody's going, right, practically. Like, I never felt like I was ready for the rapture. There was always something that I needed to confess. And so it was, I was a little afraid of this whole thing, of launching this end-time world. Matter of fact, one time, I, I, I think I've shared this with you before, but it's just a great springboard for this message. I grew up, you know, as a pastor's kid. My dad was a pastor, and uh, some of those years were in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And my dad planted a church there, and my mom and dad, I should say. And it grew and grew, and it was a great church. And there are five of us kids. I have four sisters. And so we had church all the time, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Tuesday night, Thursday night, Bible And We had to go to all of it. Anybody raised like that? It's like, okay. And so my parents said, sure, if you get tired, just lay down and kind of take a nap. About on the third row where you ladies are right there. And I would just lay down and take a snoozer, you know. It was — it felt good. And so I fell asleep one night — I think it was on a Sunday night — and my dad always came to church early, so mom brought all five of us kids to church. Well, sometimes when we went home, some of us would get to ride with dad, and that was always fun and special. And so sure enough, my dad got home, my mom got home, and mom said, where's Derry? And dad said, he's with you. She said, no, he isn't. The truth was I was asleep on the third row and they had turned out all the lights, locked up the building, and left. And I woke up and the rapture had happened. And I was freaking out. And I jumped up and I said, Oh God, I'm sorry the rapture happened. Is there any way? And I took off running. I went out the back door and I saw the glass doors that go outside and expecting the whole world to be on fire and judgment and and it was my dad who pulled up in the car and jumped out of the car and he saw me in the glass and ran over and hugged me and said, I'm so sorry. I thought, mom had you, she, that I, I just said, I'm just glad the rapture didn't happen. <laughs> oh. Still hasn't happened. Now I want it to happen. Let me ask you a serious question. Um. Is it possible, and you don't have to say anything or raise your hand or anything, just, just in your mind, do you think it's possible that we really are approaching possibly what could be the end of the world as, as we know it? What do you think, just, just pondering that? When you look at world events and you look at the issues that we are facing, I don't know if it's just me, but it just feels a little bigger than it's ever felt before with the world stage and world powers and all the nuances that are going on multiple faceted. And, and wh- whatever your opinions are, I just think this message is very important for us to listen to carefully. So, I'm going to ask you, you know, even if you're not that interested in eschatology or the study of end times. To lean in a little bit today, give some serious thought to what you're about to see in Scripture and think about some of the ramifications of what this might mean in the culture that we are living in right now, because it's a pretty serious situation. The the first thing that I want to talk about is where our security comes from. That's number one in your outline. If you have the app, it's already preloaded in there, you can go to outline and It'll be there. Where where does our security come from? Um, It's a big question because so many people feel pretty confident that they're going to be fine the rest of their life. They've, They've saved, they've prepared, they're ready, but you cannot be prepared for the end of the world. You just can't. Everything that's going to happen is way bigger than what you can manage, no matter what you have or what you're capable of. Let me just read the first verse of Mark 13. It says, as Jesus was leaving the temple that day, one of the disciples said, teacher, look at these magnificent buildings. Look at the impressive stones and the walls. What is happening here? One of the disciples is saying to Jesus, man is impressive. Can you believe that? You know, those of you who have traveled around the world, especially in Europe, you see some of these these buildings, these cathedrals, and you you think, they didn't even have the tools that we have. No cranes. No — you think, how did they do this? That's what this was. And and, and they're saying, look at how good man, look at how big man, look, man, man can do anything. And Jesus replies, yes. Look at these great buildings. He's in agreement. (laughs) Now look at his next statement. They will be completely demolished. Not one stone will be left on top of another. I'm sure the disciple was like, well, wow. you don't have to be rude about it, I mean. Later, Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives across the valley from the temple. Some of you who have been there know that, that Mount of Olives right there and that path that goes right into Jerusalem. They were sitting right there on top of that, that hill and Peter, James, John and Andrew came privately and they, they said to him, tell us, um, when will all this happen? What sign will Show us that these things are about to be fulfilled. And boom, there it goes. Now I don't have time, I'm not gonna take the time to read the entire chapter, because it's pretty long. But I invite you around the table today or at some point this week, sit down with someone and read the whole chapter and talk about the ramifications of this. Because I'm gonna just pull out some of the highlights and talk to you about it. But Jesus goes into an explanation of the end times this almost this entire chapter is red letter you know what that means it's Jesus talking almost the whole chapter now here's what here's what happened 30 or 40 years later I believe and you can you can take what I say filter it and come to your own conclusions but I believe that most of mark 13 the prophecy that Jesus made when you read it happened about 30 or 40 years later during the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 A.D. I don't believe all the prophecies in Mark 13, and I'll talk about that in a minute. But if you read history at all, you will discover that the first Jewish-Roman war happened between 67 and 73 A.D. with who was at that time a military commander who became the Emperor Emperor Titus besieged Jerusalem and there was a five-month battle and the Romans destroyed the city and the what would be the second Jewish temple the one they were looking at in Jesus day was the second one the first one was destroyed back in 586 BC so on April In April, according to Josephus — have you guys heard of Josephus? Josephus is a historian, not a Bible character. But he is a trusted historian that all historians, not just Christians, read Josephus to find out what was happening in the world. So this comes from, from him. In April, 70 A.D., three days before the Jewish Passover, the Roman army started this attack. It took them three weeks. They made it through the first two walls of Jerusalem, which were super thick. They could not penetrate the third wall, but they finally did. And according to Josephus, it was horrible. I mean, it was murderous. It was famine. They did not have refrigeration. So he, he described some of the smell, some of the things I read this week, I wouldn't bring to this desk. Cannibalism, the eating of children, some of the things, I, it was like, sickening. And and the stench, there was no place for it to go with all the death. It was horrible. But they defeated Jerusalem. That's what you need to know. And if you read all of Mark 13, you will see that a lot of what Jesus describes is described in this battle in 70 AD. But there's a few things toward the middle to the end of Mark 13 that didn't happen in that battle that I think were saved for our generation to take a look at the end times as we see it today. And so I'm gonna pull out some of that and we need to talk about what that looks like because our culture is set up for the end times. Our culture is vulnerable. And we need to talk about how we can be prepared for those end times. And what is our response to the end of the world. So we're gonna take some money out of savings at Timberline and build this big shelter and put concrete walls all under the earth and we're gonna all go down there 80 feet down and we're gonna put some bombs up there on top and some tanks and some — lots of water. Is that the response? Nothing wrong with some of you who have a shelter with some food and some water. I — I get it. A, a surge like this could knock your power out for a week, right? But can we live through what we're about to read just by being physically prepared according to so many standards of people who are living like this? I don't think so. Because this is destruction. Full-on destruction. So Jesus is walking around with his disciples. He sees the amazing buildings and he says, Something big is coming. You guys, where do you get your security? Is it the walls? And by that I mean, you know, right now people are like, how many of you noticed it's, a, it's, it's an election year? If so-and-so's elected, we're gonna have security, we're gonna have army, we're gonna have this. If, if they're elected, we're gonna have this and this. If they're elected, we're gonna have this and this. If your security comes from any government in the world, you're in trouble. Even America. Don't be so naive. We've got to pay attention to this. How about money? Oh, I'm set. If You saw my bank account. Really? Could be gone just like that. That's why all this is scary, kind of, and we're going to talk about fear in a second. Friends, well, I have people, I, you don't know, I, I have a network, I have, okay, well, you have power, I have power, you have influence, you, all that could just go away, just go, go. And that creates fear, and that's why sometimes in-time talk creates fear, and I'm telling you, depending on who you watch and listen to, there's some people out there that want you to be afraid. And this message is the opposite of that. This message says, the plans you have made are good, but God's plan is better. You should have goals, you should have a, a path that you're taking, but anytime this stuff starts to happen in our world, you can know God is on the move and He has a plan for you and me. And we're in this story. Let's talk about fear for a minute. Number two in your outline, what are the traits of fear? What are the traits of fear? If I live afraid, many things are going to happen. Now in verse 5, Jesus answers their question when he says, "What, what do I look for? Here's what he says. Don't let anyone mislead you, for many will come in my name claiming, I am the Messiah or I am the answer. I am the chosen one. They will deceive many. And you will hear of wars, threats of wars, but don't panic. Yes, these things must take place, but the end won't follow immediately. And he goes on. Nation will war against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in many parts of the world, as well as famines. Was this written 2,000 years ago? This is only the first of the birth pains more to come. Wow. Wow. All of these things that we read, they're on the docket somehow for us as a generation to say, is this stuff happening? Yeah. The plates in the earth are moving. And this is a picture of desperation. I don't know if we're there yet. I don't know if we're fully there. I I struggle. I'll, I'll throw in a couple thoughts that are just Northrop and take them or leave them. I can't find America in eschatology at the end of the world, anywhere. Definitely the Middle East, and so sometimes I feel bad about it because I'm like, okay, so do we just get smashed and we all become servants or what's going to happen to America? I don't know. But it's not talked about much in Scripture, so deal with that reality. I don't know what it means. I I go back and forth between if I want to be in that generation when all this happens so I can see it happen, or if I just want to go home and die and go to heaven and and watch it from up there. It's tricky. But we know there's going to be some great battles, and they seem to be Middle Eastern battles around who is the Messiah and what is the truth. And they come with power and destruction. Uh, here's two things I want you to know about this. You will not be able to change it. No matter how smart you are, or how much power you have, Jesus is prophesying that this is going to happen at the end of time and no mankind can stop it from happening. That's why all the prep in the world, all the worry in the world, doesn't matter. So don't live in that fear. Don't live in that worry. It's going to happen whether you believe it is or not, whether you accept it or not, it's going to happen. Another thing is that we do not know when it's going to happen, which is kind of frustrating but kind of encouraging. Can you imagine if we did know? Wouldn't that be a rat race? So I'm kind of glad we don't, but Jesus even says, I don't even know. Only the Father knows. So fear comes into our lives when we look at this stuff, knowing it's gonna come. And there are kinda four things I wanna just mention about fear. The first is that fear causes me to run and hide. I would — if there's one word you could write down or think about, it's the word isolation. When people are afraid, they look for the tiniest cubby in darkness to set themselves in a fetal position and just be isolated. Hoping this emotion will pass. Hoping a light will come on. Hoping that the sun will shine again. Hoping that I can someday get out of this cavern. That's what fear does. I've seen it. As a pastor, I had a first glance, I think a firsthand glance at what COVID did to many people who were believers. And there were people that didn't basically didn't come out of their house for three years. Afraid. So afraid. And me trying to encourage and trying to bring life. They don't have to live in fear, but what I said didn't matter. Fear grips you and people can't talk you down. It's an emotion that's real. It's There's power in, in what you do with your mind and it can absolutely isolate you from reality think about that pay attention to this the second one is it will take away my my current joy it's called depression sometimes when people get depressed i'm talking about clinical depression fear is at the root of it i'm not a psychologist but i've been around enough of them to know and have these conversations that Fear can push people right down into a depression that they can't climb out of on their own. That's just a true, natural result of not knowing what the future holds. Fear does another thing. It keeps me from reaching my potential because I become apathetic about the future. All I want to do is survive now, today. i got to get through this hour. I'm not looking at next week. I'm not looking at next month. I have no plans for that vacation in 2025. I'm not making them because I, I don't care what happens then. I've got to get through now. So people lose their sense of their future. They lose their ability to believe there is a future. Last thing fear does, it pushes you into loneliness. And loneliness is its own cat. Scary place. And you can feel alone, even though you might be in a room like this with hundreds hundreds of other people. You can still be very alone. And that's that's why what Jesus is trying to do is saying, I want you to be ready for this. I don't want you to be surprised. That's why I'm talking about it today. Is so that we can be prepared if the rapture does happen today, if you die today. If all of a sudden the whistles and sirens blow and our world as we know it is gone, guys I think it could happen way quicker than we think it it could. There's enough nuclear power to blow this whole thing up. And you — and how many of you know we have some strange leaders around the world right now (laughs) with some very funny haircuts? (laughs) Wow. Number three. Will I be ready for opportunities? Now, now this one got me in my research on all of this because this one, Jesus goes from the bad news and all the horrible that he's been talking about to basically challenging them to say, man, this is getting exciting. You ready for this? Verse nine, it says, when these things begin to happen, watch out. You will be handed over to the local councils and beaten in the synagogues. Oh, goody, goody. You will stand trial before governors and kings you are my, because you are my followers. But this will be your opportunity to tell them about me. For the good news must first be preached to all nations. And guess what? You could be a part of that. Where do I sign? Wow. Then verse 11, when you are arrested and you stand trial, don't worry in advance about what you're to say, just say what God tells you at that time, for it is not you who is speaking, but it is the Holy Spirit. What? How many of you have ever taken a test, like a written test? I've taken a few. I look back at my college days, never once did I have a professor say to me, look, test is on Friday, don't read a book, don't study, forget your notes. Just show up in class and trust the Holy Spirit. When you go down the page, you're gonna check all the right boxes, you'll get 100 percent. Don't worry about it, never. Just the opposite. So this seems absurd. But this is modeled to us by even how we should live more than we do now. Because when Jesus leaves, He they say, You're leaving. And he said, Well, I'm leaving, but the Holy Spirit is coming. You're not going to be left alone. The, The Spirit, the paraclete, which means the one who walks beside in all things, the one who is your partner, will be with you. Don't worry about what you need to say. Guys, this is really good news. You don't have to practice your speech before the king. You don't have to write it out. You don't have to be ready. You don't have to be smart enough. You just have to be surrendered to God. And suddenly whatever happens is gonna be okay because God is with you. That's the hope that we have in end time. Will I see these opportunities? Will the Holy Spirit lead me? Yes, He will. How will I know what to say? Because the Spirit will guide me. The issues of the world are complicated. And I'm going to make a statement here, I I need you to, to, to go on a little journey with me. The reason sometimes we are afraid of end times and all the destruction is because in America we're not used to facing persecution for our faith in Jesus we're really not we don't even know what that feels like you say well you don't know you don't work where I work I lost a friend because I had a Jesus sticker on my notebook well did you die if you come from a Hindu family in India and you become a Christian you could be killed Excommunicated for sure. In China, there are churches that are allowed, but they're registered with the government and they have lines about what can be said and not said. Since the year 2000, over 1,500 churches have been bombed, exploded, and, and stopped. Because they were proclaiming Jesus in an inappropriate manner. In Sudan, I might be killed or literally enslaved by an army there just for being a Christian, just for saying, I believe in Jesus. In Indonesia, I might be given a choice by the leaders there to convert to Islam or to die, and it's real. These are, in Pakistan, I might be jailed by the government just for believing in Jesus, and you take a risk when you say anything about your faith. But here's the thing that amazes me is we have missionaries from America and from churches like Timberline who are signing up and running to those places. Because the anointing of the Holy Spirit is greater than the fear of man. That is remarkable. That is remarkable. And it's powerful. I need Not fear. Not going to be afraid. Last thing, number four. Am I paying attention and staying alert? Am I paying attention and staying alert? Now I'm going to jump through a bunch of the passage right now that has all the bad stuff listed. Read it. Please read it. To verse 32. And it says, However, and this is the part I was telling you about, no one knows the day or the hour when these things will happen. Not even the angels in heaven or the Son Himself, meaning Him. Only the Father knows. And since you don't know when that time will come, stay on your guard, stay alert, pay attention. That's us. That's what we are to do. Pay attention, be alert. Am I paying attention? Am I even, am I even giving thought to how I'm living my life to prepare for the end of the world? See, sometimes I get focused on my little world, just just even happened this week. I, I, I was kind of working on this message and I got kind of sidetracked with some developments we have right now at the Windsor Farm with some roads that are being, being worked on up there and our campus up there. And, and this six acres over here, uh, that, what we got from CSU and this, this big idea and some vision for Timberline, and I'm, I'm looking at all that, and I'm, I'm looking at my, my little world and, and all this Timberline stuff, and we are a church with vision, no doubt about it. And it's, it's exciting, and I love being a part of it, and I felt like God just said, stop it. Stop it. What do you mean? This is my job. It's what I'm supposed to do. I felt like God just said, look up. You're just, you're seeing this little thing. Look at the world. Look up, that's what I'm seeing. Do you see everything happening in the world? Why don't you pray for the world? Don't just pray for your little tiny space on that little cul-de-sac. Why don't you pray for the world? Why don't you pray for the leaders of the world? Why don't you fast? Why don't you have some intentionality about believing your God to bring peace to those people who are living in harm's way? Wow. It matters. It matters. But I want to end with this. Don't carry the weight of the world. That's God's job. (laughs) Because that's what happens to me when I start studying on all this stuff, all of a sudden I think, okay, what can we do? We got to mobilize. We got to (laughs) go. No, stop. Listen to the voice of God. Because there's one word that is what God wants for you, and it's the word peace. What if I'm burned at the stake? Peace. But but you don't know my personality. Peace. God knows. And God has a plan bigger than yours, bigger than ours, bigger than government's. And I can trust Him. With everything. With everything. Let's pray. Lord, we sure do love you. We sure do trust you. It can be kind of scary looking at your plan. (laughs) You, You make some pretty big claims. Whether we're in it or not, we want to be ready and alert to do our part. And we want to trust you in every step of the way. So sober us with these realities and these thoughts, but also let your peace rest on us. We don't have to be afraid. With heads bowed in this room right now, I I really wanna pray over some of you that say, I need some help with my fear. When I look at the world and its situation, I just want you to pray over me. Just hold up a hand, please, right now, hold it up. God bless you, you can put them right back down. You don't have to keep them up. Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters in this room who just fear grips them and it comes over them and I just pray that they would actually be able to mock that fear they would have such strength and stability in their walk with You that they can look that fear straight in the eye and say, no way. That's why I live. Bring it, Lord Jesus. Come quickly, Lord Jesus, with confidence and boldness. And Lord, for those who might not be anchored to You. Listen, if you're here separated from God, this is no joke. This is not just mythology. You need to be in right standing with God. You do. Don't fake it. Right now. Tell him, Lord, I I need you. I need forgiveness. I need cleansing. I need to make my life right. Not out of fear, but out of trust. We make it right, Lord. We give our lives to you afresh and anew on this day. Amen. Amen. Well, we made it. We made it. You know, I love you. I'm for you. We're going we're gonna to be okay. And God's going to help us. Would you stand and sing this song if you're able? I'd like our prayer team to come on down right now and just prepare to pray for people up front. This song is a great song. Think about the lyrics.
1: I love you, Lord. Tell
0: him. Just tell him.
1: Oh, you're made. Yep. All my days have really? been held in your hands Think about that From the moment that I wake up yep. Until I lay in my head Oh, I will see of the goodness of God All my life
0: If you'd like to be prayed over, related or unrelated to the message, any need you might have, our team would love to pray with you. I mean that. It's a very important part of what we do at Timberline is pray for people. So come on up and let us do that. Otherwise, there are some tables back there. Men, stop by the table and meet Jonathan and say thanks to Ed. Other tables out there, if you're new, I'd love to meet you back at the Welcome Center. Let love live. Say it with me. Let love live. Live. Amen. Stay warm, okay? Put on your coat. God bless you. Have a great weekend.